Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of Mile High Sports. You can find all of my Nuggets content over at milehighsports.com. Once you jump into the browser and type that in, just click in the Nuggets icon in the top right corner to see all of the Nuggets content that we put out all the time. There's a ton of stuff up there and it's going to just get more and more as the playoffs continue to progress. The de- <coughs> sorry, I'm still fighting a sickness, so if I cough arbitrarily or things like that, I am very sorry, but the Nuggets just finished up a 114-105 Game 2 victory over the San Antonio Spurs in what was an absolutely immaculate comeback, which is hard to say considering the Clippers just came back from, what, 31 down against the Golden State Warriors, but still, nonetheless, this was an absolutely insane comeback from the Denver Nuggets. Um, Spurs jumped them to start. It was one of those situations where it was a mirror image of game one. The Nuggets couldn't make any shots. They were defending hard, but were still, you know, letting the, uh, the Spurs execute well enough to score enough to keep the Nuggets behind them. And no matter how hard the Nuggets tried to be able to get over the hump and break through, they continually kept getting pushed back whenever they would get in, get within eight or six or five points. And because of that, it just... It felt all night like the Nuggets were going to lose, but this Nuggets team was very different in Game 2, specifically in the second half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, where they just turned it on and took off in this game. It's funny, the Nuggets finally started hitting shots, and all of a sudden they were rolling, and that's what I think we could see more of, potentially, if the Nuggets are able to actually hit shots, because they are just more talented than the Spurs. They have the matchups to exploit. They just need to be able to hit their shots, and they finally did in the last 15 to 18 minutes of this game. Uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. I want to talk about how Paul Millsap really steadied the ship when things were going very badly in the first two, three quarters. Um, I want to talk about how Gary Harris is back to being that Mr. Consistent role that he has been on the Denver Nuggets team for so long. We'll talk about Nikola Jokic flirting with a triple-double yet again. Jamal Murray just unleashing all hell in the fourth quarter and carrying the Nuggets to this win. Uh, we'll talk about Barton getting booed by the fans and the struggles that he is currently having. Malone and how he really set the tone um, I guess mentally for this Nuggets team to be able to bounce back in such a big way we'll talk about Malik Beasley's game and for all the people who are crying out for Beasley to start over Barton and my thoughts on that we'll talk about how DeMar DeRozan was much better in this game but Denver still got the better of him Derek White was awesome again and how the Nuggets kept Bryn Forbes and LaMarcus Aldridge in check there will not be any um, answers to Twitter questions because it is 5 30 in the morning right now so it's a little bit too late to be trying to get questions from fans in or I guess too early because no one's awake yet but uh, so we won't be doing that so just we'll finish up after we talk about all of those topics before we jump into all of that though I first want to give a shout out to regulators production group they are the ones who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast without them this podcast would sound much much less professional than it actually is so thank you to them follow them on instagram at regulators regime on top of that terrapin care station is the presenting sponsor of the denver nuggets daily podcast without them there literally wouldn't be a denver nuggets daily podcast so make sure for all of your cannabis needs in the denver in the denver metro area to go check out terrapin care station 
Station. You can find them at terrapincarestation.com. And before I go any further, here is one more quick word from Terrapin. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. started everybody struggled to really convert offensively for Denver except for Paul Millsap and it's a very important distinction to make because this is an extremely young Nuggets team who was up against the ropes in a game two against the Spurs who are stacked full of veterans and coached by Greg Popovich and they got punched first in this game and found themselves down once again when that happens to a young team in the playoffs it is very very easy for them to get down on them themselves and for everything to collapse within their hands and the only reason in that fourth quarter or in that first quarter the Nuggets were able to stay above water it was because of Paul Millsap he was great in that first quarter as a scorer was asserting himself just enough without overtaking the offense kept the ball moving was rebounding and playing with just such great effort defensively That big combination of things in the first few quarters of this game, it kept the Nuggets within striking distance because we have all talked about this before. The Nuggets have plenty of offensive firepower to not just hang with the Spurs, but to completely blow them out of the water, which is what they did in the fourth quarter. But they have to be able to make shots, and it's been, what, probably three weeks since they've been consistently making shots. So when their shots weren't falling yet again, just like game one in the very beginning of the game, it was Paul Millsap who stepped up and really set the tone for the Nuggets and kept them at least within striking distance so that when they did get later in the game in that fourth quarter, their talent level was able to overtake in this game and carry the Nuggets to what is just a monumentally large win. It was their first win ever for most of these players in the playoffs. It was Michael Malone's first playoff win as a as a head coach. It was the Nuggets' first playoff win since 2013. It has been a very long time since the Nuggets have been able to have this. And Paul, they don't win without Paul Millsap keeping everything nice, calm, cool, and collected. Because without that, it would have been extremely frustrating because nothing was working for Denver at that point. Nothing. It was Paul Millsap, and that was it. At least Denver played with some good defense. But again, they needed more scoring output, and they just weren't getting it. 
That is when the biggest change in, um, since the regular season to the postseason kind of came fully back into light. And that was Gary Harris's emergence back as Mr. Consistent, which is the mantle that he has held within the Denver Nuggets organization basically since his sophomore campaign when Michael Malone first became the head coach of the Nuggets back in 2014. Um it was, in, it was very, very good to see this version of Gary Harris. Um, Hyper-efficient scoring, 10 of 16 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, uh, threw in 5 rebounds, had, a, had an assist in this game, played just great defense, was a plus-minus monster with a plus-22 by, by the time this game ended, and he had 23, again, hyper-efficient points, hitting threes, getting to the rim, attacking relentlessly, getting into the paint, running just dribble handoffs over and over and over again with Nikola Jokic and created an advantage that may have not otherwise existed just because those two are so telepathically on the same level. So to see Gary Harris not just do all of those things, but to explode in transition and throw down a huge dunk and things like that, his first step was really, really quick in this game. All of those things, you're like, all right, that is the Gary Harris we have been waiting to see for so long. To see him, you know, fake like he's going to cut up and take a, an off-ball screen to try and get a three-pointer and then cutting baseline to go get a dunk off of a pass from Nikola Jokic or things like that that are stereotypical Gary Harris-type plays. Finally, we saw those come back, seeing him leak out in transition and get full-court passes from Nikola Jokic. Those are the plays that we had not seen enough of since he returned from, well, since each of his return from each of his injuries. We just haven't seen that. And it looks like Gary Harris, whether, I don't know what it was, whether it's a cortisone shot, which is on the table, I do not know if that was the case, but whether it's that or he just miraculously got back to being fully healthy, it just looks like an entirely different Gary Harris than what we saw at the very end of the regular season. So that was a very big deal to see Gary play that well and really become that Mr. Consistent player again in these last two games against the Spurs in the playoffs because the Nuggets need a guard to work with Nikola Jokic to be able to be at their best. So it's going to be a very interesting, um, I guess, third and fourth games because if Gary Harris is able to continually be this player, it's going to cause matchup nightmares for the Spurs for the rest of the series. Gary Harris, the, the, the Nuggets just need a perimeter player to play well. Jamal Murray, has not been good for seven quarters. Uh, Will Barton had a decent uh, game one, but was not good in game two, which we will talk about here in the future. Um, on top of that, Monte Morris was okay in game one, was strong in game two, but didn't have a gigantic presence felt on this game. And Malik B. And Malik Beasley really only came um, into his own in the fourth quarter of game two. So the Nuggets need more from their guard play. And if Gary Harris can be that constant contributor from the perimeter, it's going to set the Nuggets up very well to come out and maybe even get a win in San Antonio and come back to Denver with hopes to either clinch or push the game to six or push the series to six games and potentially win or clinch in San Antonio. But the only chance the Nuggets are going to have to win in this series is if their guards hit the open shots that Nikola Jokic and Paul Millsap are creating for them. Full blend, or a full stop. They have to have that function. If not, it's going to be a very long rest of this series, but at least they got that tonight. It was good to see Gary Harris be so strong alongside Nikola Jokic in this game.
which is a very good segue into Nikola Jokic himself, who flirted with yet another triple-double. He already had a triple-double in his first career NBA playoff game when, uh, last game, and then tonight, when he was much more aggressive offensively, he finished with 21 points, 13 rebounds, and 8 assists to go with 2 steals as well. Nikola Jokic was... I don't want to say a ghost in the first few quarters because he was there and he was helpful, but he you didn't feel his impact like you normally do. But in that second half, again, what, there's that middle part of the third quarter. There was five minutes and 45 seconds in the third quarter left. Michael Malone had a conversation with his players, which again, I'll talk about a little bit later in this podcast, but it stirred up a new vigor within that Denver Nuggets team, and it started with Nikola Jokic, who was just, he be, he is unstoppable against this Spurs team when he decides to put his head down and attack, and he did that, and he was huge in this game, and the fact that he had 21 points on 15 shots, 8 assists against 3 turnovers, and 13 rebounds, it it was a fantastic game from Nikola. He battled on defense again, kept the ball moving on offense, handled double teams well, continued to attack, and really helped carry this Nuggets team home. Nikola Jokic has proven that he has a different, an, an extra gear in the playoffs on defense, and he's showing that he can continue to be the same caliber player he was in the regular season in the playoffs as well, despite the game slowing down and getting a lot more methodical. So, very good to see Nikola Jokic play well once again. But the good things did not stop there. The most incredible part of this game has to be what Jamal Murray did in that fourth quarter. He scored 21 points, only missed one of his nine shots that he took. He hit two of his three threes, um, had two assists, and one rebound, which was actually gigantic. This is the easiest part to overlook, and I will talk more about Jamal Murray's game. I have already written extensively about it on MileHighSports.com, but... At the end of the game, I can't remember, there was less than a minute left. Uh, the Spurs took a shot, and LaMarcus Aldridge was a, uh, had already grabbed the offensive rebound. And somehow, Jamal Murray snuck his hand in there, knocked the ball away from LaMarcus Aldridge, and secured the defensive rebound. And that was the rebound that secured the Nuggets' win. So that alone was huge. Additionally, uh, going 8 of 9 from the field and scoring 21 points in 12 minutes is just absurd. He hit a 3-pointer at one point, and then on the exact next position, possession hit a pull-up three-pointer in transition off the dribble a shot that he very rarely has made this year but he has said it he has in his arsenal and when he uncorked that son of a bitch man oh I I have never felt like that pull-up three in transition was ever going to go in for Jamal Murray when they leave his hand I personally have never felt comfortable like that shot was gonna fall when that three-pointer left his hands in that pull-up three in transition, I, it just felt like it was going in. There felt like it was one of those things where you want to stand up and yell no as if it's a terrible shot, but you can feel it within you that it was just going to drop because Jamal Murray was in one of those zones. It was honestly incredible to see him just flip this switch and just become dominant. He became a nuclear bomb in this game that just eviscerated everybody in his path once he went off. 
off. It took him seven quarters to go off, but once he went off, there was nothing like it. I mean, Nikola Jokic was 7 of 15 from the field and had 21 points in 39 minutes. Jamal Murray had 21 points in 12 minutes. That is absurd what he was able to do in this game. I was fundamentally blown away by his performance. Just sitting on press row with guys like Matt Moore of the Action Network, Adam Mades and Brendan Vogt of Denver Stiffs, and Harrison Wind of BSN, all of us just looking at each other just honestly in a pretty much amazement because you don't see players at 22 years old in their third year in the NBA in just their second playoff game ever going up against a Hall of Fame coach in Greg Popovich and a franchise that has made the playoffs in 21 straight years and go out there and score 21 points in the 12-minute fourth quarter period and to carry this Nuggets team to a win, it was absolute, it was almost belligerent. Like, it was just, not, it was out of a storybook. It was so fantastic to witness that. And I'm saying all of these things, you know, I'm gushing about Jamal Murray, but I did not grow up a Nuggets fan. I am not a Nuggets fan. I grew up in Los Angeles. Like, this is not my team necessarily, but from being around this group of guys, it's hard not to root for them because they play for each other. They play in such a selfless and team-oriented style that... They're no longer playing for just themselves. They're playing for each other. And I wrote about that on MileHighSports.com that when there is a group of guys who are selling out for each other like this and a group of guys that despite Jamal Murray again being terrible for seven quarters over two games, they still had the faith in him to go out there and do that. They were supporting him to do so during his struggles. And this is the thing. I've said this a couple times now. I wrote about how important that support was for a Jamal Murray on Mile High Sports. I got like 2,200 words up on it. And it, the, the, the quotes were just amazing about how Michael Malone, when I asked him, and I and this is what I want to talk about next, is Martin is uh, Michael Malone and like why this game was such a perfect, I don't know what the right term is. It just mirrors exactly what makes him the coach of the year, in my opinion, is that he has a love for his players that very few coaches have. Every single player on the Nuggets roster knows that Malone would do whatever it takes for those guys. And Malone said after the game, when I asked him if he thought about pulling Jamal Murray after those three quarters, he said no. Like that, He blatantly was like, I'm riding with Jamal Murray. Like That is our guy, and I was not going to pull him. This is obviously paraphrasing, but there was no thought in Michael Malone's mind at any point in the last two games that he was going to bench Jamal Murray for the struggles that he had. In addition to that, Paul Millsap kept encouraging Jamal Murray. Gary Harris kept encouraging Jamal Murray. Nikola Jokic kept encouraging Jamal Murray to keep shooting the ball. They trusted him despite the fact that he was 8 of 32 from the field through 7 quarters they continually kept trusting him and because of that they were rewarded with a 21 point explosion in the 4th quarter that won them game 2 if the Nuggets had lost game 2 this series is effectively over. The Nuggets have not won in go in um, San Antonio for since like 2011. It's 13 straight losses now in San Antonio. So if the Nuggets would have lost both games at home and then had to go on the road to San Antonio, dejected and demoralized, there is no way they would have found a way to win that games those two games. But now, after 12 minutes of just magnificent basketball from this Denver Nuggets team in a quarter that they won 39 to 23, they now stole 
stole so much of that momentum, that series swinging momentum back in just a 12-minute period. So instead of being demoralized and dejected, like I said, going down into San Antonio, down 0-2, they now have a season split after a 12-minute period of just beautiful basketball in which all of their momentum came back to them and all of a sudden all of their shots started falling again. That confidence boost could be huge for them. And I mean, when I say huge, I mean they could go into San Antonio and win Game 3 handedly if they play the right way. The Nuggets have the talent and the matchups to do so. And if they can do that, it's going to be wildly impressive. I do want to go back to Michael Malone real quick for a second here because I talked about how Michael Malone encouraged Jamal Murray to keep shooting, but there was another part of Michael Malone's leadership in this game that shined really brightly to media members who were around it, but may have been more difficult to see as a fan or as anybody else not directly close to this team. And it was the fact that Malone spoke about the fact that he understands that these players on his team are going to look to him for leadership. So because of that, he needs to stay calm and collected during these moments. He needs to show also, in addition to being calm and collected, that he is willing to fight for his guys so that his guys will fight for each other and in turn for him. And all of those thought processes, that ideology, that family first kind of mentality of this Nuggets team it allows them to keep a certain level of confidence about them when even when things get bad that allow them to go on these gigantic runs like the runs that they had in this game. I can't remember for sure. I think it was 57 to 34. The Nuggets went on a run after Malone called a timeout halfway through the third quarter to rally his guys. And when that happened, Michael Malone's team bought into every single word that he said. They have already reiterated a lot of the same verbiage that Michael Malone has used all year when they have talked to media. When they're using the same words that their coach uses, you know that there is a different connection, that they that Malone is really getting through to him, to all of these guys. And that tonight was on full display. I wrote this already, but Michael Malone was the MVP of the Nuggets in Game 2. He was the reason that they did not fold when they were down 16 points with under six minutes left in the third quarter. It would have been so easy for them to let go of the rope and just pull the whole we're young in the playoffs and had never been here against a Hall of Fame coach that has brought their uh, the Spurs to the playoffs for 21 straight years with a roster stacked full of veterans. But instead... They fought, they turned, and they did not run away. They absolutely battled, and because of that, they came away with what was, you know, I, no, it is, it was the most impressive victory of the 2018-19 season for this Denver Nuggets team, and it has everything to do with Michael Malone. The next thing I want to get into is something that both Michael Malone and Nikola Jokic talked about tonight unprompted, and it is the fact that Will Barton got booed in the Pepsi Center during the second playoff game that they have had since 2013. This is wild to me. Listen, I get it. Will Barton was 1 of 10 and 0 of 6 from the field and has not been very good since he came back from injury. I get that. What fans don't get is that what Will Barton brings to this team goes far beyond just his contributions on the floor. He is undoubtedly the emotional leader of this Denver Nuggets team. In addition to that, he is the glue that kind of blends 
all of these different personalities together. The Nuggets have a very eclectic locker room. Wancho from Spain, Nicola from Serbia. You have guys like, you know, Thomas Welsh all the way through to Will Barton, from Isaiah Thomas all the way through to Brandon Goodwin. There are so many different personalities in this locker room that it takes a guy like Will Barton to really be able to mesh them all together. He is the glue that makes this locker room work, in my opinion. And while people can scoff at that and not give it credit all they want, what people need to understand is that the Nuggets would not have had the complete rebuilding of their culture so quickly if it wasn't for the fact that they had Will Barton in the fold and Gary Harris, because both of those are the two longest-tenured players on the roster, around to help solidify everything that Michael Malone and Tim Connolly fought to build so yes he's struggling yes there's going to be some potential repercussions to his struggles in the playoffs but to completely boo him in a playoff game is just wrong and I'm sorry I'm not willing to step off of this I know I've been called a Barton lover and all of these things for most of the time that I've been writing about this team but maybe there's a reason that I have so much faith in this guy and that so many other writers alongside me have very similar takes and it's because of what he brings on the court and off the court, in the locker room and out of the locker room to this Nuggets team. So him getting booed is just not cool, and it's not something I agree with. Fans are fans, and it's not my place to tell you how to live or how to to go about the way that you cheer as a fan. But what I would say is to think about all of the impact that Will Barton has had on this team and to remember that, yes, this is a guy who just had a brutal injury that he has never sustained anything at this degree in his life before. So the bounce back was always going to take a long period of time. Brandon Ewing, my buddy Skip, the other writer over at Mile High Sports for the Nuggets, also covers Rockies and a lot of uh, football stuff as well. He has a piece up on uh, Will Barton getting booed and why Malone and Nikola Jokic came to his aid up on Mile High Sports right now. Definitely go give that a read because it outlines a lot of my thoughts that I have. And I don't want to dive into it too much more on this podcast. I'm already going longer and it's getting past 6 a.m. So I'm going to just real quick talk about about people asking about starting Malik over Will Barton. So this is my thought when it comes to that. I think Michael Malone will likely give Will Barton at the minimum the first half in San Antonio to actually get his legs back under him. And Malone doesn't bail on his guys. He's going to give him a chance to bounce back. So if we come out in game three, and Will Barton is still struggling, and he's still in the position where he's missing shots and he's not contributing offensively. But I will say this. He has been very good defensively recently. He's been awesome on DeMar DeRozan. But if he continues to miss shots at this level, I would not be surprised if Michael Malone made the decision to go to Malik Beasley as the starting small forward in the third quarter to start the second half. That would be the earliest that I would expect it. I think it would make more sense to start game four with Malik if there's a, if, uh, if the Nuggets end up losing or really struggle in game three. So I don't think Malone is going to bail very quickly on Will. I do think it's going to be game four probably at the earliest, although I do think there is a scenario in which Malik starts the second half of game three, no matter how far-fetched that may be. Um, 
Quickly, I'm going to go through just the Spurs. DeMar DeRozan was much better tonight. 11 for 19 from the field. Hit all nine of his free throws. Seven rebounds, two assists, two steals, 31 points in this game. But really, he was the only star-level player who was able to contribute consistently for the Spurs. LaMarcus Aldridge was just 8 of 20 from the field. Uh, had 24 points in this game on 20 shots. And just generally wasn't that great. I mean, he had some good moments, but the Nuggets really made him work for all of his points. Bryn Forbes was much worse in this game. The Nuggets did a better job at defending Bryn Forbes. He was only 2 of 6 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3. Uh, still, though, managed to be a plus 10 in a game that they lost by 8 points. Sorry, 9 points. So, Bryn Forbes is going to be the matchup nightmare for the Nuggets. Uh, the one thing they did do, though, was the Nuggets killed the bench unit of the Spurs. Uh, Marco Bellinelli, minus 10 in 22 minutes. Rudy Gay, minus 18 in 28 minutes. Patty Mills, minus 13 in 20 minutes. Um, so the Nuggets did a good job against their bench tonight, which was a good thing to see. The last thing I want to say about the Spurs is that Derek White was great once again. 7 of 11 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, hit both of his gimmies from the free throw line, had 4 rebounds tonight. It was just, he was everywhere. Um, and he's just so heady and so consistent and such a good defender. Through the first three quarters, he was the reason that Jamal Murray was struggling so much. He was just absolutely handling him. So it was a very, very impressive game once again from Derek White. That is it. I'm going to bed. It was very good to do this podcast. I can't tell you how much fun I had doing this podcast and also writing the feature I have on Mile High Sports right now about the love that Michael Malone, that Michael Malone has for his players carrying the Nuggets to their Game 2 victory. So please go check all that out. Again, Brandon Ewing has a very good piece up on Will Barton getting booed and why that's uh, and why Michael Malone and Nikola Jokic backed him up and defended him. Uh, definitely keep it locked to Mile High Sports. I will be in San Antonio for game three and four so you'll be getting content from me on the road as well but until then this has been the denver nuggets daily podcast and we'll talk to you guys in the near future